we're excited about today, right? Um, this was this is one of those times where this is actually my first. Yeah, this is my first Mother's Day, like as a lead pastor, and so trying to figure out like what do you do, and and I was I was blessed this morning to be reminded of my wife last Mother's Day. We were um, just in launch mode, like we weren't launched yet, we weren't a church yet, but we had a launch team, and my wife uh, preached last Mother's Day on Zoom, and that's how we were meeting for a while was on Zoom, and then we started meeting around campfires and. And so it's just cool to be able to look back at the beginnings and where we were a year ago and where we're at now. And so today I made the decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach. So I'm not a teacher usually, um, so I don't usually like to sit and, and just teach a little bit, but I felt that it was appropriate for today. And uh, we're going to look at just some women throughout Bible and throughout history. I, I want to say something, and I said this earlier, but I, I just want to like make sure that I really make this known that I love the stance of the Nazarene church and of movement church. And that is that women are necessary in ministry. There are other denominations out there that have, have made it a point to say that women should not be pastors. Women should not preach the word. And if that were the reason, then these women that we're going to look at today in scripture would have had no relevance to anything, but it's very obvious that God used them. In fact, to, to even go back and say that, that God didn't want women to preach goes back to say, then why did Jesus appear to the Marys first? And uh, he didn't just appear to them for, to see nothing and to say nothing about what they saw when he resurrected, but so that they could go and share the good news, which is what the gospel is. And so I'm excited about today. I'm excited to be able to dig through this. Now, men, I, I'm going to be real with you. Don't sit here and say, oh, we're talking about some, some women in the Bible like this isn't for me. No, this is for you. This is for you. This is for everyone because we can learn a lot from these, these women that we're going to talk about today. And so we, we're going to dive all the way back to pretty much the beginning in Genesis chapter 11. And if you're a note taker, this is what I want to encourage you to do today. Listen to these stories. Hear what it is we're talking about. And if it's something that you want to go back to and look at a little bit in better detail, I want to challenge you to do this because I believe that these women can really set you up for where you're at in life now, or even what might come about. And uh, I, I find them to be truly inspirational. Because the first woman that we're going to look at is this, this, this woman named Sarah. And uh, Sarah, I title this that she's the mother who waited. And waiting is hard. We're not, we, we do not like to wait on anything. I can't tell you how many times that I've driven by a place that I was going to go get food or a gas station and there was a wait and I just drove away because I was like, I am not waiting in this line. And uh, even if we really wanted it, it's just like, I'm not waiting. Or how many times that I've walked into a coffee shop and turned around and walked back out <laughs> because I didn't want to wait 20 minutes or I didn't want to wait 15 minutes. I think I got that from my dad actually. Um, because he's known to leave carts in the middle of the store and just say, ah, I'm not waiting. And so, um, but he also waits until Christmas Eve to do his Christmas shopping. So, um, no, he's got a lot better with that. But so Sarah, this is the mother who waited. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 30, we learn that now Sarah and, uh, was childless because she was not able to conceive. This would have grieved both her and Sarah and Abraham. And, and in Genesis chapter 15, when the word of the Lord came to Abram, uh, he answered, What would you give me, Lord, since you have not given me an heir? 
God tells him to look at the stars in the sky. What kind of answer is that? Look at the stars in the sky, count them, and that's going to be the number of offspring that you will receive. Could you imagine hearing that from God? Like, just go count the stars, and that's, what, that's how many kids you're going to have, is the amount of stars that are up there. And so uh, he, he gives them this promise, and Abraham and Sarah, they waited, listen to this, 15 years. And then God only renewed his promise at that point. He didn't make good on the promise. He renewed the promise after 15 years. And then another 10 years goes by before the promise was fulfilled. And Sarah bore a son named Isaac. Think about that for a second. 25 years to receive the promise that God had given them. But, but they weren't perfect about it. Don't get me wrong. Like Sarah would not have won the award for winning because she even laughed at the idea that God could do this and, and that he would even do what he was promising. And, but thankfully, God, uh, God's promises don't rely on, on our levels of faithfulness. His promises according to his plan. And Sarah responded in Genesis 21 with this. God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have bore him a son at his old age. I'm telling you, church, could you imagine waiting that long for a blessing to take place? We get too caught up in things and we want it to happen now. But we can learn a lot from Sarah and from Abraham. And then we learn quickly about this mother named Hagar. And, and Hagar is this mother who endured. And you're going you're gonna to see this, this side that, that maybe you have found yourself in where it just seems like God just keeps pushing you back to these situations that you don't want to be in. But yet he's like, no, your blessing will come in time. I just need you to endure what's going on. And Hagar was this Egyptian slave. And, and she was a maidservant to Sarah who we just learned about, wife of Abraham, and she did not have much to say about anything, especially not becoming Abraham's wife. Though her status changed, she was still very much secondary to Sarah. Once Hagar became pregnant with Abraham's child, this rift developed between her and Sarah, and Sarah was angry with Hagar. And so Hagar decided that she was going to flee from, from this and she was going to go back towards her homeland. But as she left this, this volatile situation, the angel of God appeared and, and, and told her to go back. So the angel promised that her, she, uh, he, the, name, the angel also promised her numerous descendants through her son, whom she was to name Ishmael. So she goes back later. Hagar and her son Ishmael were sent away into the desert. This is where Hagar truly believed that they were going to die. But God is faithful and he showed her a way. Genesis 21 tells us that God was with the boy as he grew up. And he lived in the desert and became a great archer. Hagar thought that she was going to finally escape her misery, but listen to this. God called her to return to it. And she obeyed, went back to this volatile situation, and God blessed her and her son 
just as he had promised. Sometimes we escape, and it may not be God's plan, and he might even direct you to go back to this problem that you're in, but it's only so the blessing can be far greater than what you could ever expect, and that is exactly what Hagar did time and time again. If you had a friend nowadays named Hagar that was going back to the situation going back to a relationship that just didn't look like it was the relationship that should be happening, we're quick to say, just leave it. But Hagar kept going back to that relationship. She kept going back into that situation. And she came out victorious. We learned about this mother, Rebecca. And I truly believe, like, I'm listening to the song we're singing, this last song that we're singing. And I just believe, like, this is like straight up Rebecca's song. Like, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. And, and then you think of this situation like, take, take away these traditions, take away this religion, which is something that could have really held her back. But listen to this, Rebecca, Rebecca is this mother who, she believed. She believed that what God said was going to be true. And so Rebecca was this woman of great faith. She obeyed God, and when Isaac, her husband, turned when Isaac's ser- uh, servant told her that the man who wanted to marry her, Genesis 25 says, tell us, tells us what Rebecca became pregnant, that she could feel these babies jostling. And so when Re- Rebecca became pregnant, her, her babies, she could feel them literally fighting in her, in her stomach. And, and so she calls out to God and says, what is going on here? Like, you have done what you said you were going to do, and I'm, I'm pregnant now, but why is this happening? And listen to the response from God. Could you imagine getting this response as you're getting an ultrasound, getting ready to have children, and and this is what they say to you. Hey, two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the other and the older is going to serve the younger. But in that time, the older would have never, ever, ever served the younger, and the firstborn son would have inherited the best of everything. But listen to this. When Isaac was old in age, he told Esau, his firstborn son, to hunt and to prepare food so that he could receive his blessing. Isaac was ready to give his blessing to his oldest son, which was tradition. But Rebecca overheard that this was going to happen, and, and she told Jacob to bring her food that so that she could prepare this meal. For Isaac, Jacob was very unsure about this because Jacob's the younger child. And, and, and he wasn't sure about deceiving his father in this time. But Rebecca responded in Genesis 27, my son, let the curse fall upon me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. I think it is safe to say that she remembered and took very seriously the promise that she made with God and, and what it was that God had spoken to her during her pregnancy. You see, Rebecca risked deception to follow God's promise because she believed what he said was true. I'm going to say this because sometimes we kind of question this. We go, God really asked Rebecca to deceive her husband? No, he did not call Rebecca to deceive her husband. But God is sovereign despite our good and our bad choices that we make. 
and his plan will unfold exactly as he had told her. Later, her son Jacob wrestled with God, literally wrestled with God, and he was given a new name, and that name was Israel. Time and time again, God used these women who were faithful in different ways, in different situations, to to then be blessed for generations to come that would do these massive things. And and we think about this mom, Hannah, and this is the mother who who kept her promise. We jump forward in the the Bible now into 1 Samuel. And Hannah was married to a man who, who loved her very much, but he also had another wife. Listen, back then, this was normal. Like, this was... This was the stuff that happened in culture. Men had multiple wives. I could never imagine having multiple wives. Um, Those poor guys. But, uh, just kidding. Um, (laughs) Kristen, I'm going to pay for that one later. I'm sorry. Um, But he had this other wife, and this other wife was able to bear children. But in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we learn that the Lord had closed off Hannah's womb. There was this this rival that took place and, and, and it provoked, this, the other wife provoked Hannah continually, making fun of her and, and taking stabs at her because she couldn't have a child. But Hannah would go to the house of the Lord and she would go there to pray. Her husband would go to her to try to console her and say things like, well, don't I mean more to you than a child? Why are you acting this way? Why do you have to act like this? Why are you doing it this way? Why are you acting like this? Aren't I more important than that? But I love this in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 8. It says this, that Hannah prayed to the Lord and she wept bitterly. And she made this vow. Listen to this vow. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, And not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all these days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. In fact, listen to this. She was praying so hard that her lips were moving, but nothing was coming out. And she was praying so hard that the the priest there actually thought that she was drunk. But the Lord blessed Hannah, and she gave birth to a son named Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him, he provided. And then she did just as she had promised. And when the boy was old enough, she took him to the house of the Lord and presented him to Eli, the priest. And and Hannah then prayed this prayer, my heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Samuel lived a life dedicated to the Lord, and he would go on to lead people of Israel. He went on to lead God's people, and he would be the one to anoint the first and the second kings, both Saul and David. How powerful is that? She kept her promise, and he led God's people. That's just That's just the surface of the women that God used time and time again in Scripture. But if we jump forward in the New Testament, there's two women that really stand out. And and the first one is Elizabeth, and this is the mom who believes 
in miracles. You see, Elizabeth was, was married to this priest named Zechariah. And in Luke chapter 1, it tells us that both Elizabeth and Zechariah were righteous before God. So they were doing what God had called them to do. They observed all of his commands. But Elizabeth was still childless. And they were both very old in age, similar to people in Job's day. So these were old. You talk about being older than dirt. They were old. But here's the deal. This is one of these things where you can actually see what we see in church now sometimes, where sometimes church people, we like to gossip. Sometimes we like to say things that dig or that hurt. And here she is, a, a priest's wife, righteous before God, obeying everything. And these people questioned Elizabeth. What kind of sins did you commit that God didn't give you a child? What kind of sins did, did you commit? But Elizabeth, she believed. And she knew that God did not have limitations of age. God did not have limitations of, of time. God knew no limitations. And so she was bold in what she did. And, and so I love this, that when Zechariah is serving in the temple, this angel of the Lord appeared, and, and it was the angel Gabriel. And he approached them and said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been answered, and they have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him, listen to me, you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Zechariah, listen, he was just like us guys. What did he do? He hears this, but he still doubted. You're telling me my old fart wife is going to give birth? I don't think so. And not to mention how old I am, it ain't happening. And I love it because, because then all of a sudden, this is like every woman's prayer when she becomes pregnant. God struck him mute for the duration of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Zachariah could no longer speak. He could no longer say things. And uh, Elizabeth praised this prayer, and, and she was overjoyed at the blessing of life and said, The Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among these people. These people didn't look at me in a good way because they thought I had sinned, but God, you took away this and you provided for us and you shut my husband up for the, night, for the next nine months. And uh, I think she was very excited about both things. And uh, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to visit her cousin Elizabeth, listen to this, the baby leapt in Elizabeth's womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She took great joy in Mary's pregnancy and the blessing of God. And when it came time for Elizabeth to give birth, she named her son John. And then this goes on from there because Zechariah is still mute. He's still not speaking. And so the community goes to him to confirm the baby's name and says, well, what are you going to name this baby? And he writes down on paper, John. And immediately he could speak again. 
Elizabeth knew that miracles would take place, knew that there were no limitations, and God provided in big ways. And then there is Mary, the last woman that we're going to talk about. Mary, the virgin who, as a teenager, gave birth to the son, Jesus, who appeared to her, an angel, and, and told her everything that was going on. And then in the same breath, had to go tell Joseph because Joseph is a man and wouldn't believe Mary, what she was saying. And so the angel appeared and talked to him and explained to him exactly what was happening. And he kept for Mary. And then she gave birth in the most humblest ways. But I think that something to keep in mind about Mary was that I am sure that Mary, she treasured up this life of Jesus, this short-lived life of Jesus but she had to endure a great sacrifice because her son would be the one that would suffer, that would be tortured, that would be mocked, and that would die a cruel death on a cross by crucifixion. But if you remember a few weeks ago when we talked about this in John 19, that Jesus on the cross provided for his mom because she took such great care of him and was there for him. And as he was hanging there on the cross, he looks down and says to his mom, woman, here is your son. And then looks to the disciple whom he loved, John, and said, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his arms. Even while Jesus was dying, he provided for his mother. When it comes down to this, and this soul reality of where we're at now, I want to challenge us to this. Sometimes we're going to have to wait. Sometimes things are not going to happen in the times that you want it to happen, in the time frame that you need it to happen. Sometimes we're just going to have to wait. But be blessed in knowing that, that blessings will come by that, that big things will take place. Even if it's not on your timing, God's timing is always perfect. And time and time again, we see that. What about enduring through some of the hardships of life? Some of the things that just you seem like you need to get away from and you get away from, but it just seems like you keep getting pulled back to it for some reason. Sometimes you just got to go through it. And when God calls you to go through it, there's a reason and there is a purpose for that time. And just as we learned from Hagar, she was blessed and generations were blessed from her time enduring what it was that she had to go through. What about Rebecca, the mother who believed, who knew what God told her, and, and even in the, in the dying moments of her husband as, as he's getting ready to, to give away his blessing, she does whatever she needs to do to see out God's plan. God spoke to her years and years and years before, but she held on to what she believed and what she heard in pregnancy to make sure that it was followed through. Be the one to keep your promise. You know, there's a lot of times that when we are faced with conflict, when we're faced with something that we just can't seem to get out of, we like to make promises a lot. God, if you only take this from me, I promise that I will never go back to this. God, if you take this from me, I promise to be the best dad in the world. I promise if you do this, but so many times those promises, they just kind of get forgotten. Make that promise 
and know that God is going to bless you in generations to come. I think of friends that have dropped the, the bottle that has said, I don't need alcohol in my life anymore. And because of that, generation of generation of generation has seen what that did to their family generations before. And they were able to stand on the strength that they once saw from a father, from a grandfather, from a great-grandfather. Because God blesses generation to generation. And lastly, church, online, here's the big thing. Believe that God is going to perform miracles. That God knows zero limitations. And even in a time that you can't see that you can get past this, know that God is there for you. He is with you. He is behind you. He is all around you. And he will never leave you. That his blessings are there for you and for those to come. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for these stories of these women that you used in monstrous ways that were obedient to you, that surrendered to you, that kept their promise to you, that were bold in faith knowing that you would provide time and time and time again. And I pray today, as we have women both here in service and online, that as you call them, that they don't feel like they are being silenced, that they are being muted, but their voice is needed. As we have seen from the beginning of time, that you have called both men and women to share your word, to be obedient to you, to stand up for you, to do what it is that you called us to. So I pray today, Father, that you speak to us, that you call us, and that you receive us as big things are taking place, Father. We love you and we praise you so much. In your name I pray. Amen.